Amen. Isn't our team amazing? Can we give them a hand? It's so good to be in his presence and be in his presence together, isn't it? And uh, it is that time of year where there are a mixture of emotions and so many different things that each of us are dealing with, and yet it's here. Christmas is upon us. We've been in this series, Unwrapped, and there's some gifts that we get to celebrate before we even get to the message today. Last weekend, on Sunday alone, we had eight people receive Jesus, and we are so excited about what God is doing. Uh, Four of those were uh, Sunday morning, one was over lunch with one of our staff members, and then three were among the youth at our high school ministry Sunday night. And so God is moving, and we give him all the glory. Amen? Uh, As we... Uh, Another gift as we look into the new year, uh, I just want to make sure you hear from my heart. We begin, and and I've done this actually, um, I think it's been about 13, 14 years now that we begin every new year uh, with a 21-day fast. And and so we'll start a series, January 1, called Finding Freedom. Uh, There's a graphic here to just give you a little taste of that. And it's Finding Freedom, IRL, if you wonder what that means, it's in real life. Finding Freedom in Real Life. And uh, with that, there's a devotional, there's a 21-day fast that'll actually begin on January 9th. Uh, God does move through prayer and fasting in powerful ways. And I want to get this in front of us now so you can begin thinking about what might that look like in the new year. Uh, Whether you fast uh, with a true biblical fast, which is like you know, from food or, or maybe a Daniel fast, or maybe you fast from other things that are getting in the way and crowding out Jesus. You know, maybe it's social media or news. Maybe it's caffeine or, or chocolate. Uh, any, anybody? Uh, you know, be, for the next couple of weeks, pray about that and think about it because I really believe that God is going to set in motion a 2023 and beyond that through that 21 days, we see him move and create new freedom, new life, and I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, with that said, let me pray. And then we're going to unwrap today's gift, uh, which is peace. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for uh, just the way your spirit is moving. We are so encouraged by your presence, so thankful for those that have received you and recommitted their life to you and committed for the first time as well to you. Father, we thank you for all that 22 has brought and all that 23 will bring. And in the next couple weeks, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds for what you want to do, that we could find true freedom and life in you. And Father, today, I believe that your peace is already here and moving. So Father, as we turn to your word, may it come alive. We thank you that it is alive and active. So Father, go forth with your word to accomplish the purpose for which you're sending it. Jesus, get all the glory. In your name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So as we've unwrapped gifts, the series is called Unwrapped. And uh, within that idea, we have been unwrapping different gifts each week. You ever opened a gift and found there was a gift within the gift? Anybody gone through that exercise? Parents, you know you've done it. Kids, you know you love it. And so you have a gift within a gift. So a couple of weeks ago, we unwrapped the idea of hope. And what is hope? How do we find it in, in a world that's without hope? How do we find it in Jesus and, and biblical hope and what it means? 
And, and then from hope, we actually, as that was unwrapped, it became clear that there's, there's more. And so last week, we unwrapped faith. And we looked at what is faith. It's more than feelings. It's more than emotions. In fact, feelings and emotions are meant to follow our faith, not the opposite way. We looked at what does it mean to have a faith that will follow Jesus and will get in line with his will and his plans. And then today, yes, there's another gift. It's a gift called peace. And this gift is an interesting gift because as we look at it, it has greater depth greater meaning than sometimes we often realize. The gift of peace, there's actually something in here that I'll unwrap a little bit later. You're dying, aren't you? You wonder what's in here. There's actually this gift of peace that in many ways to to actually receive it in the way Jesus intends, it's almost like he keeps moving deeper and deeper within our lives and our hearts to get to that place where he can really begin to give us true peace. In the Bible, we're going to look at a number of different texts today. We're going to actually begin in Isaiah chapter 9. You can turn there if you'd like. It's an Old Testament passage. It's a prophet. Isaiah is often uh, a very bold prophet that prophesies about the Messiah. And as he does about this Messiah, Jesus, it's actually in chapter 9 that we pick up and we see a foretelling that also is telling the truth about reality and what's going on around them. We'll start in verse 1. It says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephalte. But in the latter time he was made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. The prophet Isaiah here is describing a a land, a place that is dark and broken, yet has experienced the breakthrough of light and joy as well. It says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Merry Christmas. <laughs> right? It's like, I mean, this is not holding back. The prophet is saying, like, there is some darkness, some brokenness, some things that are here in our world and on earth then and as we know today. But here's the hope. Verse 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let me just pause right there. Did you catch it? That there's an acknowledgement of a fallen and broken world and darkness and things that aren't ought as they should be, not the way God intended, not the way it should. In fact, we realize in many ways that that's the state of our world. It's called the total depravity of man. It's the sin and the sin nature and all of the havoc that it causes. That's acknowledged and yet it's said that, that here comes this Jesus, a child is born. And this child 
has four aspects or attributes that are here that are so important. Wonderful counselor that Jesus, we would later learn, would give us through his death and resurrection access to the Holy Spirit, the ultimate counselor and comforter who's there to, to be with us and to comfort and to counsel no matter what we're going through. The spirit within us, but also the spirit through our brothers and sisters as well, comforts and counsels. Can I get an amen? amen. Secondly is mighty God. That reminder that this child did not stay a child. He grew. Luke 2.52 says he grew in wisdom and favor and stature with God and man. He grew up because he is this almighty God. Jesus is a part of the Trinitarian Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is our mighty God. He is the one that we can turn to and that is able. It says he's the everlasting Father. Part of that Trinitarian Godhead is God the Father. In a world where fatherlessness and broken relationships with our earthly father is often, unfortunately, the case, isn't it nice to know that we have a heavenly father who is everlasting, who is perfect, who equips the earthly dads who will turn to him and also fills the gaps for those that are without those dads. Amen? By the way, men, tomorrow night we meet. I'm buying you pizza. You better show up. Monday night, men, 6.30 tomorrow. Shameless plug. Everlasting father. And then lastly, prince of peace. This is where we focus today. What does it mean that Jesus is our Prince of Peace? That he brings peace into our world. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our God is passionate and zealous. He has a zeal for us. He has a jealousy for us. He has a love for us. And he steps into our broken world. And he begins to, to be who he was meant to be. This mighty God, this everlasting father, this wonderful counselor, and this prince of peace. If you're taking notes, the light of Jesus reveals what is broken and brings peace. The word there is the Hebrew word shalom, that actually he's the prince of shalom. Shalom is something that deals with the brokenness, deals with the issues that aren't as they ought to be, brings everything into the light, and brings wholeness and healing. Cornelius Plantigan, a theologian and author, says this about the idea of shalom, of peace. Which, by the way, is throughout the Old Testament and has a Greek equivalent that we'll get to in a minute in the New Testament. Cornelius says, in the Bible, shalom, which means peace, right? You tracking with me? Y'all, I can stare at you too. Shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. 
Shalom, remember that's the word peace, in other words, is the way things ought to be. As we look at this, we need to understand who Jesus is in all of how he brings peace and shalom. Jesus, if you're taking notes, isn't a, peace ma- isn't a peacekeeper. He is a peacemaker. You see, to, to keep the peace means sometimes we'll ignore the things that are broken, the things that, that are hidden. Anybody else have an ice maker on your refrigerator? Anybody else kick the ice cubes under the, the refrigerator? Sorry, honey, she's probably, she'll be in the next service. Like, whoops, didn't see that, right? I mean, don't we have a tendency to do that sometimes with the little things in life that we don't want to deal with? To keep the peace isn't to kick things under the freezer. It's to actually begin to deal with them. And Jesus wasn't a peacekeeper. In fact, much of what he did was he stepped into a broken world and he began to name things, call out things, speak the truth in love, bring things in light. He is a peacemaker and peace, again, is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of completeness, of a wholeness that Jesus wants to bring. Some of us aren't just peacekeepers, though, are we? We're peace fakers. Ooh, pastor. (laughs) Bless your heart. (laughs) Right? I I mean, we have this tendency to to be peacekeepers and fakers when in reality, there's something else that we know needs to be dealt with. I was thinking about this as Cindy and I walked last night. We were talking a little bit. Just, just this reality that, that peacekeeping is actually something that is often focused on my image and image management. Where actually peacemaking is something that is focused on the image of God. Is focused on wanting to see each of us and what we're involved with formed into the image of God. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He was a peacemaker. So what's in this gift, you're wondering? What represents peace today? Let me show you what's in here. There's actually within here some broken pieces. Somebody had a little too much fun on staff. Breaking a pot, a small jar, into pieces. Because if we're going to actually have peace as God intended, we have to acknowledge and deal with the broken pieces that he wants to piece back together and bring wholeness with. There's a gift within that that sometimes we don't want to deal with that we would rather ignore and not have to face, right? I'm going to turn to the whiteboard for a minute. I love playing with technology. You look at the screens. I want you to think about this this way. If we're going to dig deeper to deal with the pieces, the things going on, and, and remember, your pastor is not an artist. Let's just get that out in the beginning. 
This is a glacier or an iceberg. Surely you see it. This is water. Got to have somebody over here in a boat, right? We're on the Treasure Coast. They're having fun. They see the iceberg, right? They, they see what's there and what's visible and what's present. And the thing about it, if we're going to use this for what it really is, is that sometimes the tip of the iceberg, the tip of the issue that we think is robbing us of peace, that there's actually something far deeper. You, you see, we can, we can look at these issues and say, okay, yeah, I have trouble lying or maybe with lust. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's greed. It's so quiet in here. Maybe it's control, right? The list goes on and on. And we can think that that's, that's really what the issue is. But you can see where I'm going with this, right? That actually, it's this space here where we find real peace. Where God says, listen, I, I want to I drill down further. I want to get to the root. I want to I get to what's really going on inside it. I want to help dig into deeper issues with you because that's where you'll find greater peace. Can you read my handwriting? And as you think about this, for some of us, that's the scariest thing we've heard in a long time because we're used to keeping the peace. We're used to faking the peace. See, Jesus, when he comes into our world... He comes in as a wonderful counselor that says, I want to counsel you into better, into my image. As an everlasting father, he looks at us and says, I love you enough. I love you unconditionally. I've made the way. I want to come into those areas of pain and hurt. And let's be honest, much of this stuff here is stuff from the past. Stuff that maybe was shaped and formed in childhood, teen years, young adulthood. And here we are with, you know, maybe some gray hairs, a few wrinkles. Y'all look lovely, though. <laughs> and we don't realize that the way we behave and the way we show up, we're trying to address this when God's saying, will you let me come and address the deeper stuff? I want to bring you peace. He's a prince of peace, and we can trust him and his goodness. Let's flip the screen, guys. So what does it mean that he wants to get below the surface, that he's the prince of peace, and that his reign is always rising, that his reign and rule, his kingdom, his government, it said, is of constant increase his reign and rule in our life when he steps into those places that's where peace increasingly comes it's not because we're ignoring it but because we're finding him in it and Jesus came for these reasons it's always rising we have to understand that peace as the world offers it, doesn't deal with anything, does it? It stays on the surface, and it doesn't deal with this deeper stuff. 
And it's often so bound by circumstances that we lose our stuff quite quickly, don't we? That we lose our peace. And here's the thing, if his peace is always on the rise, this means that no matter what you face during your week, no matter what you're going through, no matter what heartache or brokenness you encounter in your own life and in the lives of others, there is a peace available through Jesus that rises within us, that doesn't fall in to our flesh, into the temptation. And yeah, we're human. Some of you have seen my human side. My family definitely has. We have moments where we lose our peace. Yeah? But this peace is still there. It's still available. And it's meant to begin knitting us back together and towards completion. But it's not just in Isaiah. Jump with me to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, I want to show you another aspect of this. This is the moment when the angels arrive, and as they arrive on the scene, they're pronouncing to the shepherds this Jesus that has arrived, that there's a Jesus that has arrived in Bethlehem, and as he's arrived, the shepherds would not have been the most likely of chosen candidates. They were out in the field. They probably smelled. They were often on the margins of society and distance. And, and here comes Jesus and the angels come to them to pronounce it, to declare it, to say who, here's who Jesus is. Verse 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. If you're taking notes, Jesus' birth was peace. That's that word shalom in the Hebrew in the Old Testament. It's erene in the Greek in the New Testament. It's the equivalent there. It means the same thing. And what we see here is that this peace was breaking through to make our breakthrough possible. Isn't that good news, church? That Jesus' peace was breaking through, that the angels were praising and declaring that peace Peace like you'll never find it. Peace that can bring wholeness and healing and can give you favor in life with God and with man is now here. As you look at this, praise precedes breakthrough and is, isn't circumstantial. The angels praised as Jesus arrived. What we see from there is the shepherds would then go and they would praise and worship in awe and wonder. The Magi or the three wise men would also be announced and they would come. They would arrive a little bit later in, in the nativity scene than we're often used to. But when they arrive, what do they arrive with? They arrive with gifts to praise and to worship God. And throughout scripture, we see this call to God's people to be a people of praise. That praise him for who he is as mighty counselor, everlasting father, as mighty God as the Prince of Peace, that we praise him and that that praise often precedes our breakthrough. And it isn't bound by circumstances, bound by whether you feel like it. Come on, come on, church. It is a praise that's not because of who we are and what we're capable of, but who he is. And we see this throughout the scriptures. 
And I just wonder if there's some of us would have more peace if we could praise and get our eyes off of ourselves and on to him. Secondly, peace is a gift. It's actually a gift for those that Jesus favors. It's said there for those that he pleases. It's another way of saying for those that he favors. It's a gift that is offered to you and I that we're to be receiving and walking in and sharing with the world around us. It's a gift that is available. And in so many ways, I think we often miss it. Because we know that there's these pieces in our life. We know that there's these things that, that aren't right and, and need to come into the light. And we're not really always sure what to do with them. And see, in so many ways, religion teaches us that we got to figure this out. We got we to gotta clean ourselves up. We got to put the pieces back together. But please hear that the heart of Jesus, the heart of the Father, the hope and the help of the Holy Spirit is there to do this work. That actually, we, we take our pieces in the gift of Jesus' peace and we bring them to Him. We, we actually bring all of ourself. I don't know if this will show up online or not. We'll just set it there. And we come not to the tree, which by the way, there's no Christmas tree in the real Christmas story. We bring it to the cross. And it's there that we find that Jesus favors us and loves us enough to begin putting us back together. It's an incredible passage I want to finish with that illustrates this so beautifully and applicably. In Colossians chapter 1, if you'll turn there, it talks about what happens, what is this gift of peace? What, is, what happens at the foot of the cross? How does Jesus begin to do this work in you and I to give us real peace? Picking up in verse 15. It says, he, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Yes, we're excited about celebrating baby Jesus, but do you see he's a whole lot more than that? Amen? Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is incredibly important for us to understand. That often the brokenness, the lack of peace is because Jesus is meant to hold everything together, and we're trying to hold it together. When Jesus is saying, let me hold it together. He is meant to hold it all together. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, that you and I, broken, fallible people that come to Jesus, receive the gift of the Spirit that we're actually invited in, not just to relationship with God, but relationship with one another's churches are, yes, we have buildings, but churches are not bound by buildings. Churches are people, formed, fueled, filled by the Holy Spirit. And Christ is the head, it says, of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making what? Peace. There's that word again, peace. It's actually the word in the Greek, erinae, shalom, peace, wholeness. Making peace by the blood of his cross. It says, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Again, he makes peace and wants to form us into his image and to be more like him. Verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of I which Paul, he was the writer, became a minister. If you're taking notes here, Jesus offers us peace with God, with ourselves, and with others. We find that peace in this passage as it describes coming to the cross, coming to Jesus, experiencing a peace that allows us to have peace with God first and foremost. A holy God who looks at us in our brokenness and says, I'm not going to associate with sin without a blood offering, a covering for that sin. So here's my son Jesus. As he dies on the cross, that blood, the theological term, the, the 10 cents term is atonement. It's the atonement, the covering for our sins. That now we are reconciled and have peace with God. This is the message that we need and we need to share with the world around us. Because just sitting in church, whether we're in person or online and getting the warm and fuzzies to get through the next week, that isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about a right relationship with Jesus, a peace that, that is there and available, that a spirit that fills us and fuels us to go live for him during the week. So we have peace with God. We also have peace with ourselves. Some of us, God's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying it's time to, to deal with that. It's time to deal with this issue from the past, this issue that has been deeper, this area that you've kept hidden, this thing that, that I want to root out and I want to bring into the light that it's time to find peace with ourself. Because that healing and that wholeness, it's available. Our God is a God of peace that brings shalom and brings wholeness. And we don't have to face it alone. That's the beauty. He restores us to him. He restores us to ourself and what we were designed to be before this crazy fallen world began to break and damage us. In addition to that, that wasn't enough, right? I feel like the 1999 salesman right now. But wait, there's more. <laughs> because as he restores us to himself, and he restores ourself to who we're meant to be and begins that work in us of bringing peace and wholeness. He also says, hey, I want to begin now making peace with those around you. And some of us need to hear this before Christmas and the new year. Because if we lose our peace, what happens at many of our family tables and many of the spaces with our friends and neighbors we perpetuate and share brokenness 
versus actually finding Jesus in it and seeing wholeness. See, he wants to flow through us as a people of peace that we now, as he said in Matthew 5, we become peacemakers. People that are, because we're right with God and because we've dealt with our stuff or we're dealing with it, because none of us are perfect, you should really say amen on that. We now can begin to work with others and begin to see peace restored. This gift of peace is amazing. I just want to remind us as we bring this to a close here that Jesus' peace isn't just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of completeness. It's in those conflicts, in the broken pieces, that we find Jesus who's complete and wants to bring us to completeness and wholeness and real peace. There's an uh, author and artist, a theologian, Mikado Fujiyamar, and he says this about this idea. I want to illustrate for this. Uh, he talks about kintsugi. It's going to take us somewhere that I think is an incredible visual. He says, seeing the redemptive act of God, the ultimate act of Christ's sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, through the lens of creation and the Holy Spirit's work, awakens in us the potential of the new creation. The example of kintsugi, which is a Japanese art form, I'll show you in a minute, captures and enlarges the promise. The Christian gospel of the good news begins with the awareness of our brokenness, of the areas where we don't have peace and now need his peace. Kintsugi, a Japanese art form, kin means gold, and sugi means reconnect. Let me show you a picture of a piece of Japanese kintsugi. What they do is they take generally gold and they take the broken pieces and they use that to begin to to piece back together and to make something that in its final form is actually more beautiful than the original and definitely more so than the broken. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 said that you and I are a jar of clay that we have this treasure in a jar of clay, that his all-surpassing power would be seen. And so as you think about your life, as you think about what it means, this is a picture of what Jesus wants to do in this season for each of us. He wants to step in as the Prince of Peace. He wants to deal with the broken pieces and put us back together and make us whole in a way that is so much more beautiful than what we could do on our own. And gives him glory because people see that that gold holding it together, that's his all-surpassing power. That is the work of Jesus in us. Amen? Amen. Come on, church. Let me ask you a few questions to consider. Next step questions. First is, have you received Jesus, the Prince of Peace? Have you really received him? Asked him into your life and heart. If you're online, our chat host would love to connect with you if you'd like to receive Jesus. If you're here in person, we would love to talk with you and pray with you. 
Some of you, it may not be that you haven't prayed that prayer to receive Jesus. It may be that you have tried to to do things in your own strength and and kept the broken pieces away from him. And Jesus is saying, I want to be your prince of peace. I I want to bring it all together. Will you come to me? Will you let me make something beautiful of your life? Have you received him as your prince of peace? Secondly, what area of your life is broken and needs his peace? You know, some, any good counseling, if you've ever been to counseling, any good counselor, part of what they're doing is creating a new awareness, a new self-awareness. Are you aware of those areas where you need his peace right now, where you need his touch, where you need his help? Because he's available and he's ready to bring those. Those acts of healing and freedom and forgiveness into your life. And then lastly, who do you need to be a peacemaker with this week? Maybe you've got the Prince of Peace. Maybe he's already knitting you together and God's saying, listen, I don't want you to ignore the the issues. I want you to not be a peace faker, a peacekeeper. I want you to be a peacemaker. And the beauty of the Christmas season is he is Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to walk with you and I in this, giving us peace as we share his peace. Let me pray. Father, we love you and we give you this time of response now. I believe that your peace is here and it's available. And as we prepare to open our hearts and respond, Maybe it's praise that will precede the breakthrough. Maybe it's humility that needs to lay something down at the altar today at the foot of the cross. Father, you see us. You love us. You want to dwell richly in each of our lives and bring peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness. And so, Father, I just invite you right now to pour out your love and peace on us. That if we need to come out of hiding into the light, we would do that. In fact, I just ask, Lord, that you would shine your light below the surface. Help us to see the areas where you want to bring a new level of peace and wholeness. We thank you, Father, that you are so good that this wasn't left to us, but you sent your son, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. So may your reign and rule rise in this room, rise online. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. We're just going to respond. And if you would stand and honor Christ in that way. And we're just saying to him as we sing this song that we are available. We are expectant. We want the Holy Spirit to move and speak in this moment right now. After all we've heard this morning and all he's already said to us, we're singing this saying, Lord, We want to respond appropriately to what we have heard and what we've experienced this morning. So let's do that as we worship him.
Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He is our Lord, and He is ready to walk with each of us in new ways. I'll pray in a minute. If you're a visitor, we'd love to have you come out if you're on site here to our Welcome Center. We've got a gift and would love to welcome you. For anybody that, that you're processing what you've heard today, you're not sure where to go with it, let me encourage you to not leave. We never want to leave the same way we came in. Did you know that? We want to encounter Jesus, respond to him. And so we'll be up here, our prayer partners, some of our leaders, myself included, we'll be up here and available. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you if you'd like that. As we walk into this next week, reminder, Christmas Eve, live and in person, 3.30 and 5 o'clock. Who's going to be here? All right. It's going to be a great night, and uh, we will be streaming online as well. And then Sunday morning, 9 and 11, online only, uh, we have an incredible, uh, very different experience that I think you will enjoy for Christmas morning. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and thank you. We thank you that you are mighty counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts the way that you're inviting us further and further into the light to experience your peace, your wholeness. Thank you for being our healer, our deliverer, the one who sets us free. Father, as we follow you this week, may your love within us, your peace within us continue to rise. May we love each person in our pathway. May we be the peacemakers that you've called us to be. Stand in awe of you, Lord. I just pray that you would be more real to each of us this Christmas than ever. Bring your peace and presence. Show us your power. Show us your provision. And may we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.